Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode number twenty-one of the Common Sense Podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not going to restart that, but I just know I'm recording in a new location. <laughs> I'm recording in a new location. Um, and the funniest thing just <laughs> happened. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, man. How are you doing over there? I'm managing. I'm managing. I'm thankful that I've made it this far. So no complaints right now. So I've decided to bring back the games this week. Ooh, a game. I suck at these. Sorry. Because I've been at home and I know last week I said I've been watching um, Full House, but this week I've been watching Living Single after our last episode, You Inspired Me. Much better so, choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I am on episode, oh, I'm sorry, season four, like the middle of season four. And so I thought it would be cool to do a little Living Single trivia. Oh, and no, by, no. no. <laughs> and by trivia, I mean, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a quote and you just tell me what character it was. Wow. Okay. This is why I asked you. Uh, earlier, you like like you said, I'm familiar with the show, blah blah blah. blah. So, okay, I I'm not going to. This is going to be awful. But in my defense, I was a child when this came out, right? So it's okay because I know I'm no, not gonna be okay. <laughs> no, not an excuse, not an excuse. <laughs> the sheer amount of reruns that they have put out on television. First of all, do you know the characters? I'm fam- I'm I'm. I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Let's go. Oh, my God. Okay. Here we go. First quote. I'll give you something easy. Sinclair, I try to be there for you, but you take that fork in the row and you lose me every time. The Kyle? No, no. Like, she's talking to Kyle, but Sinclair was... was... No, they're talking to Sinclair. Oh, well, I don't like this game. So I'm wondering, like, you're asking who said that one, right? Yes. Was it Khadijah? Correct. Oh, okay. And And how did you figure that one out? From what I remember, she was kind of bossy. That sounds like something someone bossy would say. Yeah, she was a little bit bossy, but she's like Mother Hen. You know, to me. Was she the oldest one in the house? I don't, I don't. Yeah, she was. Yeah. I think. I don't get me to lying. Do not get me to lying. Um, One more. No one's even going to know what living single is. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Homework. Homework over your breaks. Okay. I know BT is going to be playing Roots and. Oh my God. BT needs a total (laughs) rebranding. I'm just. Roots and Baby Boy. That's all they got. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Common Sense Podcast. You got any good news this week, girl? 
I'm almost to Christmas break. You've been saying that for the last, you have been saying that for the last three episodes. I don't think you realize how, like, much I've been counting down, though. Literally, when I came back from Thanksgiving break, I was driving to work and it was like 717 because I know I need to be in my exit at 725 to be on time. And I was like stressed because I was trying to speed up to get to that exit. So I was like, you know what? I need to put in for a sub Friday. That is how, that is how difficult it has been. And that is why at this point on Monday, I will know the amount of um, hours that stand between me and a two week break. So, yeah. Um, I'm traveling for the holidays, so maybe I'll finally get to have snow for Christmas. You are? You didn't tell yeah, me that. I'm going to Virginia. What? Yeah. For? To be with family. <laughs> okay. Yeah, to be with family. Um, so, yeah, it didn't snow last year, but maybe it'll snow this year. Because in Texas, it's like you can wear shorts on Christmas Day. So right. Mm, awesome. Awesome. It'll definitely be cold. So I know. Like cold is so relative. Like down here, anything less than 60, I'm like, bundle up. But then up there it's like 20, and I'm just like, why are you leaving the house? <laughs> what are you doing? You stay inside when it is that cold. Yeah. Like, take I think- still. It doesn't make sense to me. Today was about 35 degrees and it's raining. So, yeah, bring it yeah, How you talk trash about, well, like, all, a lot of people talk trash about us in Texas. So, like, our rule in my district is if it's under 40, you cannot go outside. Um, And I watched the news like a little old lady. And so I knew that it was going to be, like, above 40. But with the wind chill, it was, like, with the wind speed, it was going to make it to feel like 20 degrees. And so I didn't send my kids out. And there was like this misunderstanding about how like the the kids shouldn't have been outside and people were angry because they took their kids outside um, and had to bring them all the way back in. But it was just like, you know, if you had watched the news and watched the weather, you wouldn't have taken your kids out because you would have known that it was going to be below 40 degrees. And I'm sure people are like laughing because below 40 degrees might not be cold to anyone. But in Texas, like that's unacceptable, especially Houston. (laughs) So. Yeah. Wow. What about you? Do you have some good news to share? Yes, I do. Um, but I'm going to tell the whole story because okay. <laughs> I don't, do you know, most, and this happens with black people all the time. When we tell stories, we go straight to the climax. Girl, don't yes. it, right? You know, it's like, we don't ever build up to the actual like decision. And I actually do that in my morning meetings because I want students to get in the habit of telling a, like an, a whole story, you know, using the story arc so that when we actually start writing, you know, it's not a hard transition. So what we like, you tell the climax and then you're like, so what it happened was. Right. Then you go back. But it's like, oh, okay. And maybe it's because the climax hooks us in and it keeps us hooked. But I'm going to actually take it the old fashioned way. And I'm going to, you know, do some oral oral storytelling here. Like my yeah. Okay. So on October 19th, I got fired. From oh, we my- got dates. <laughs> okay. That kind of story. I'm listening. On October 19th, I got fired from my job 
Um, I took my kids on a field trip to the National Geographic. I just did it again. Are you like? That wasn't the climax. Well, wow. Yeah, you did. Wow. That was like a huge. I don't know. I don't. I. We we don't. Okay. On October 19th, I took my kids to the National Geographic Museum. When I got back from the National Geographic Museum, I gave a I gave a quiz and I got a phone call, and, and the phone call were um, from some people, and those people invited me into a meeting. In the meeting, they had let me know that, um, in some very peculiar fashion, they had gotten wind of the podcast episode um, "Strangers in My House," and they played. Um, two minutes of that podcast episode in the meeting to show their disgust for uh, the podcast. Now, the two minutes that they played were probably the most provocative two minutes of the entire podcast. Now, you know I've been working on my cursing on this this show. (laughs) I have been working on my cursing on the show. I've been working on my language. I've talked to Antonia about this all the time. But in that last two minutes, I said something to the degree of, like, you don't have to listen to your administrators. And I talked about how I had shitty administrators before or something like that. Now, I probably shouldn't have said the word shitty, but I did. And that was used to say two things. One, you know, this is completely unacceptable and it it does not align, you know, being in a religious school. And then two... Um, they wanted to protect the staff from my social media presence because they felt that I was getting on here and like airing out people's dirty laundry, which was very far from the truth. So they said that they, that they wanted to cut ties with me. And so I was fired (laughs) on October 19th. Fired. So from there, I like went into like this roller coaster of emotions, right? I took the week to figure out, am I going to sue these people for um, what I thought was an illegal action? Um, And I decided not to sue them because I didn't really have a strong enough case, right? I I was an at-will employee and those charter school teachers out there and those folks who decided not to opt into the union and and those folks at at private schools know about um, being at will employees, right? It's like you can leave at any time and you can be fired without reason at any time, right? So um, I decided not to sue them because the national workers' um, protection laws were not strong enough, right? It's like yes, I have free speech, but that still falls under the at will. Now, had they fired me? you know, because of my political views or if I was because I was a Democrat or, or something like that, or I'd said like something about politics, then I would have maybe had a stronger case, but I didn't in that moment. Right. You following me? Yeah. Okay. So I decided not to sue them. That was the first week. Then I kind of went into like, damn, I really don't got no work. I really I, got fired. I really got, I really, well, I was really waking up at 7 a.m. without nowhere to go. and. For me, like that was really messing with my mental. Like my because those folks who know me know that my like my life is very much driven by my career. I'm very career driven. You know, I show up to work late. 
Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I show up to work early and I and I leave late. Let's be clear. <laughs> and I leave late. Um, I'm always tweeting about work, going to conferences, and now doing this podcast. Like everything that I did was sort of surrounded around work, and so like having that kind of snatched from underneath my feet for me was like, uh what the hell do I do now? I felt like just extremely lost. And I would say I went to the doctor and and I was kind of going through like this reactive depression where it was really hard for me to get out of the bed. It was really hard to like eat. It was really hard for me to like do things. Like I just was like sitting in the bed, watching Hulu, um, watching the timeline stroll down. Um, and not doing much of anything, you, you know, and I think that was like the toughest part. Um, and so I decided to go home to Michigan because if I stayed in my house, me and my cat, um, like, you and that cat. <laughs> yes, me and my cat, then I would not make any progress. You know what I'm saying? So I decided to go home. So I went home on election day. And I literally was curled up underneath my mama and my grandma. And, like, they were just, like, really helping a brother out. You know what I'm saying? I was eating. I was feeling better. I was going out to see my friends. Um, and then I was applying for jobs here and there um, in, in Detroit. And in my mind, I'm I'm like, well, maybe it's time to use everything that I learned and like come back to the city where I grew up in and, you know, impact children who grew up in the same zip code that I did. Like, kind of like full circle thing. Full circle. Coming yeah. full circle. So I kept that in the back of my mind. Um, and then I went to NCTE, which was fantastic. I know we talked about that on this uh, podcast. But. You know, I have several people there vouching for me and connecting me and like, you know, doing all these things to like help me get a job because people were extremely passionate and invested in me getting a job. And I am like so thankful for that. You know what I'm saying? Like the village. Oh, my God. The village has really shown up for me. Um, My family has shown up for me. My teacher friends, my best friends, like it has literally been like, oh, so great. Um, so I use some of those connections to interview um, and stuff like that. And, you know, I really was kind of wrestling with this idea of choosing the right school, right? Because many of us know, but l- let me educate you in case you're unaware. There's a national teaching shortage. Really? Yes, there is. School districts everywhere need teachers every single day of the year because there are not enough to go around. So it really, for me, was not about finding a job. I could I could have did that the very next day in D.C. The the. The hard part was finding the right job, the right school, the right environment where I know that I can do my good teaching and still be mission aligned, right? Yeah. 
um, cause like I can't go work for no, um, you know, ritzy ditzy like rich white kid private school. <laughs> no. No, no, that's that's not me. Um, <laughs> I did apply to one, but it's very diverse there. So, um, yeah. I'm sure at the end you would have been feeling like, well, never mind. Yeah, nope, you're right. You're totally right. So, then um, I came back to uh, Washington, D.C. and what I thought was going to be packing my bags, right, and um, and returning home. And <laughs> so, uh, literally about a week and a half ago is when I started getting all these calls from all these different schools some in Detroit, some in D.C., some um, on the East Coast, um, and then one um, in the Middle East. So I'm taking all calls because, you know, what's good kind of thing, right? <laughs> um, and all those schools that I interviewed with were phenomenal schools with phenomenal leadership. And I made it so clear, Antonia, in the world that... I needed my teacher autonomy when I walked in the building that I was not going to um, entertain any scripted curriculums. Oh, no. <laughs> very well, not, not oh, no, but like, yes, but oh, no. I made that very clear in the interviews. I made it very clear that um, that I was going to be a team player, but that I needed my alone time to be able to create like the lessons that I thought were really important. I let people know that it was going to, that I needed the support from them to be able to have tough conversations. Um, and that I, <laughs> like I needed this freedom and, and autonomy to do me. That's how I walked in the interview. I walked in like Vince McMahon coming down the aisle of a WWE event. And I had all the confidence in the world because I, at this point, three years in, know my worth. Yeah. I have a strong understanding of my education philosophy. And I am either going to, you know, be able to enact my philosophy here or I'm not. So... And that's kind of one of the first things that I learned is that we don't take advantage of interviewing schools the way that they interview us. You know what I'm saying? Not at all, because it's like they like I guess the view is kind of like they have the key because we want what you're offering. Like people want the security of a position. Right. And so a lot of times they just like they don't ask the hard questions or share that information that you're walking and sharing because they're so focused on like the end goal. Like I just need. Well, and not everyone, but that I need a teaching position and I'll work it out once I'm in the position. Right. So um, I said, yeah, no, that's not going to happen here. Let me let you know what what Mr. Harris you're going to get on day one. Because, <laughs> oh, I said that with a whole lot of hand and neck, but I meant it. It's like, let me tell you who you're going to get on the first day so that you're not confused when I start doing things out of the box. You know what I thought of when you said that? Have you seen, there's like this video where this guy he's like in a uh, like a polar bear costume and like he leaves work and he like unzips it and like his true self comes out. Like that's not that's not what you're doing. Like you're coming in like your full self and yeah. telling them up front, right? Because you shouldn't have to 
mask what you believe to be true or like your philosophy of teaching in order to get a position. Because then you're going to be battling them all the way through. Amen. So with that being said, there were a couple of things that I was considering um, because all of the jobs that I interviewed for, I got an offer. Even, oh my God, did I tell you I had a really bad interview? No. Oh my God. So <laughs> in one interview, first of all, it was moving so fast. So I got a call on Monday to enter. I got a call on Monday afternoon slash evening to interview on Tuesday afternoon. And they, and they wanted me to like design a lesson plan. And they wanted me to like answer all these questions about things that I really didn't know too much about, um, which was the, the International Baccalaureate Program. Oh, IB. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Right. So I love I love IB, but continue. First of all, I have not written a lesson plan in years because um, I don't write lesson plans. And by lesson plans, I mean daily, like daily plans. I've done unit plans and I've done weekly plans, but I've not done a daily lesson plan that they wanted me to submit. So I was, and then I was run out of time. I had meetings. I did like, I just didn't have the time to do what they wanted me to do with like the amount of creativity and expertise. So I like turned in some, like some crappy, uh, <laughs> some crappy ass like uh, document. And it came to bite me in the interview because oh, no. yeah, they wanted to dissect the lesson plan, and um, and she was like, "There's not even a standard on here," and I was, oh. <laughs> I said, "Oops, it's not." Oh, um, yeah, I tried to spin it, and it you know it didn't really work out. I um eventually ended up telling them that I said, "Girl, this is not my best work." I was rushed. No, I said, I, I don't have any excuses, you know, because my excuses are not valid. Just allow me to turn that in on another day. And she said, sure. And I, she said, thank you for, you know, thank you for your honesty. But as soon as I said, it's not my uh, best work, the whole room was like, yeah, it's not. So I was just like, <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Whatever. Like, it's not funny in the moment, but like in hindsight, you're able to laugh at it. Yep. Um. Additionally, one question that I get all the time is, um, did you have to explain why you're applying for a mid-year position um, considering the resume? Because I didn't lie on the resume. Um, I said, you know, I was working at this school from blah, 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 blah to October, right? Um, but in that last interview, they were like, well, I see that you, you know, stopped working at this school in October. Do you want to explain from your own words why you're applying in the middle of the year? I said, yes, I got fired from my job <laughs> because um, of a difference in opinion um, in regards to my uh, podcast and social media. Um, I said, you know, I had people in the building um, who said that my podcast uh, was not a true reflection of Christian values <laughs> and that uh, that I was attacking people in the school building, which to me was uh, just extremely false. So um, they accepted that. They, they said it sounds rid rid ridiculous like everybody else. I'm not going to... Well, no, well, never mind. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, like, we know it was kind of personal, but... It, it was personal. And that was probably one of the most idiotic decisions I've ever seen coming from a leadership. And I've seen some bad ones, but I've never seen something more idiotic than that. The, the fact that you are willing to jeopardize your student's education for your own personal ego, but I'm not going to read you today. So uh, even though that interview was bad, I still got a call back the next day. Um, so anyway, wow. yeah, I did. But here's how I made the decision. I thought about a couple of things. One, will I be in a school that gives me the freedom and autonomy to do the good teaching that I know how to do? Okay. Two, is there supports and systems in place to help me to grow as a person? Three, um, is the school aligned to my mission? I know what kind of kids I want to teach. I know what kind of environment that I want to be in, right? Four, I am still 25 years old, right? So I don't need to, I, don't, I, I had to talk myself out of this mindset that I have to, you know, settle down or, you know, stay in one place or, you know, go here or go there. I kind of wanted to alleviate all that pressure. So I have decided to pack my bags sell all my furniture, and I'm going to take a huge leap of faith and go and teach fifth grade um, at an international school in Qatar. Drops mic. <laughs> That's like halfway. How far is that? Uh, It's a couple thousand miles, honey. That's a nine-hour time difference from you. Wow. Yeah. I am going to... I I thought to myself, there's no better time to go try teaching international than right now. Um, and I don't really have a reason not to go. No, I don't have a reason. I don't have a spouse. I don't have any kids. And my grandma's going to keep my cat. So... <laughs> right and i knew that where i was going next i needed to get in a place where i could save some money because dc has not been good to my pockets okay man i don't know how you survived out there girl barely barely um i also wanted to say this too because a lot of people are like well are you gonna work at the you know the american schools out there and you know you know uh doha which is where i'll be living is it's really expensive you know like those are rich kids and i said well i was very purposeful and you know saying yes to this school be you know be, because this school in particular has some of the lowest um fees to enter um into the school so that it's more accessible to um is that what did i say that right accessible accessible, accessible to more, to more students right so it's not the elite second of all i did not want to work in an american school overseas oh, please. i could have done that here honey um so the school that i'm working in because it has lower fees it accepts more students from um a, a variety of uh, income backgrounds. And then, you know, like 
the resources are not like super up to par. Um, so I'm excited to see where I can get it in to fit it in there. Um, yeah, so I'm going to try it out in Qatar. I am nervous um, to make this big move halfway across the world, um, but probably not as nervous as my mother. Aww. She won't be able to... Aww, that's so... Yeah. Mommy's probably stressed, isn't she? Yeah, she's real stressed. (laughs) She can't, like... I don't want to say control, but for lack of better terms, she can't control what's going on when you're halfway across the world. No, and one thing I'm trying to get them to understand is that the Middle East is not one large Afghanistan. It's not one no, large... That's like a huge misconception here. Yeah, it's not one large Afghanistan. It's not one large Iraq. It's not one large... Uh, uh Syria, right? So I think uh I'm trying to do some educating here um in the meantime, right? But I actually don't know what um Qatar is like. I've I've never been there. I've never been anywhere close. Um but I'm excited. The real reason I was going to say no, but I ended up talking to um some teachers there, and one of the teachers was a black girl from Detroit. And so, once I talked to her, I felt a lot better. Um, and there are people in this world who I know want the opportunity of living outside of the uh, country, and I want to provide this 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 example for my siblings. Right? It's like you really can go as far as you want to go, as far as your mind takes you, right? Um, And then, like, you know, you can do great things anywhere. Um, I can't believe you're leaving. Yeah. I really really cannot. Like, when you were looking for physicians, I was like, oh, he might, you know, move to the West Coast, or he might, you know, maybe he'll make it down South. But, like, my, my thought process about it didn't even, like, consider that you would, you know, be getting on a plane and, and just leaving. I am but I'm leaving. So excited for you. Thank you. I appreciate you that. Experience? Like, like honestly, though, like you were saying, so many of us want to be able to say we've lived overseas, but like you, you get to like the fact that you get to do that is crazy. And yeah. just like we're all one decision away from changing our life's course, right? Ooh. Say that again for the people. I don't think they heard you. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're all one decision away from changing our life's course. Like when you think like you can wake up and decide, you know, I don't like or not necessarily I don't like, but I want to do this. Like you can go and make that happen. That's just crazy. Absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of people are concerned about my safety and stuff, but I promise, guys, it's going to be fine. Yeah, Um, yeah, I keep like I don't know. Whenever I go overseas, it's like people are obvious. People are worried, right? But I always have this mindset that I'm safer overseas than I am here. That's how I feel. But (laughs) well, you you know, I think the comfort of family makes you feel safe. But turn on the goddamn news. Yeah. 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 But uh, good news. (laughs) Um. 
is, well, a couple logistics that people have been asking me. When are you leaving? So I'll be leaving D.C. around Christmas to go back to Detroit so I can spend um, my time in Detroit with my family. Um, And then I'll be leaving for Qatar probably around the 3rd of January. Um, I'll be teaching fifth grade. So I'm really excited for that. Um, It is a a dual language program. So the kids take uh, Arabic and then um, and then they take and then they have the second half of the day with me in English. So I'm really, really pumped about that, especially because I'm going to challenge myself to learn Arabic. So that was my next question. Yep. If you're going to take lessons. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take lessons. So if anybody wants to teach me uh, some basic phrases and words, I am open to that. Um, But things are moving really, 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 really fast. Um, I I did just want to address one more thing, like one more question that I've gotten, which is like, like, why would you go overseas when you know that there are so many kids here in America that needs you? And your answer is? Well... I I think that is uh, that's that's tough because I think that kids everywhere worldwide need good teachers, right? Um and anti-blackness is a global phenomenon. And so I think that there are quality black teachers that are needed worldwide, right? Um but the thing about it is we are only our we are only like our experiences right so if i if i decide to teach you know in the inner city of dc all my life and that's all of who i am um but i am 25 years old i'm a first generation college student I'm, i'm 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 the first one to leave my family the first one to ever travel outside of the country the first one to do something different and i want to continue that you know, be, because that changes you. And the key and the thing is that I want a different perspective of education. I've never taught overseas. So I want to know what that is like. So that then when I come back, which I know that I will, um, then I can be able to provide a different sort of perspective and experience. Um, again, the timing has never been so right. Because had I taken one of the other positions, I know that I would have stayed there for several years because I've never stayed at a school for more than one year. And that is so necessary for my career. Um, I know that these kids need me. I know that I have had the opportunity to impact more than, you know, 75 kids uh, in the DMV. But those relationships don't end at the end of the school year. I still plan on, you know, impacting their lives. Um, I also have to provide a example for my siblings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they yeah. see that I can go overseas. That is possible. And come back and still be the same uh, pet. You know what I'm saying? Um, it wasn't an easy decision, um, but I knew that it would be the most worthwhile um, decision. Uh I'm excited for you. Yes, I'm excited too. So about the podcast, since you're going to be, you said it's nine hour time difference. Yes. 
Are we still going to, is there still going to be a podcast? The people want to know. Will it? (laughs) No, of course there will be a podcast as long as there's internet and a quiet room um <laughs> then i will be able to rec- 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 uh to record the podcast um that probably means that i will have to wake up at three in the morning or four in the morning to record with antonia if we re- record on the weekdays or that we would have to record on a Friday or a Saturday, which is also interesting because my my work days are in, are different now. I my I I teach on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then I have Friday and Saturday off for my weekends. That's um, so interesting. Yeah, just interesting. Not even thinking about it because like we probably have Saturday and Sunday because Sunday people like historically have gone to church in the U.S. Right. So they said Friday is their holy day. So, um, wow. yep. So they are going, so we have Fridays off. Um, so we'll, so we'll figure that piece out. We, we definitely have some specialty episodes coming up to, uh, provide content. Um, and, but then also give me time to move across the country and figure things out. Country. Uh, oh, across the world. Um, but we love you guys so much we are not going to leave you hanging um and we are going to make it do what it do i just want to thank everybody for uh their support over these last two months which has felt like a whole eternity it's not a life like that's not long at all for not for being jobless um i want to thank everybody for that for their support uh, thank you for everybody for uh, your well wishes. Um, and now it is time to move and move and move and move. Um, literally. Yeah, literally. Um, and with that being said, we'll be right back. Yeah. And we're back. If you have a question, you can send them to commonsensepod at gmail.com or through our website at commonsensepod.com. So we have a doozy here. And I wanted to just read this because I know we're going to spend some time dissecting this one right here. It says, hello, Patrick and Antonia. I love your podcast and you two have helped me so much during these long five months. Okay, who are you telling? I am a first-year lateral entry where I have three years to get my um, education licenses, seventh-grade ELA teacher in North Carolina, and on December 7th, 2018, I have come to the realization that I hate my school. Oh! I understand hate is a very strong word, but that is how I truly feel. I work at a K through eight school. The environment at my school is horrible. Though it is Title I, and that is where I want to be, the school can be ran so much better. It is in the heart of the hood. <laughs> I love that. 90% of the students are under grade level and they are very disrespectful. With that being said, the staff should be supportive. At the end of September, before our first intercession, uh-oh, that means that they're year-round, I was the only new teacher left on the middle school hall out of three, and a total of five quit. 
Wow. It sounds like my first year, but continue. When handling discipline, we use the no-nonsense nurturing method, where you have a seven-step behavior consequences that you must go through in order to write a referral. Nothing. Sorry. Not that suspending students are the only option, but I feel that you learn from your behaviors. Students can curse teachers out, cause disruptions, and not follow instructions day in and day out, and nothing is done about the problems. Parents do not answer phone calls, administrators do not support the teachers, and if they do, it's with a one-day suspension or ISS, which is sitting in a lower or higher grades classroom. We do real-time coaching which is BS, on top of having planning meetings, coaching meetings, and at least one parent conference every week. Like Patrick said a few episodes back, I am drained from the behaviors that I have to deal with every day. I did say that. (laughs) I am asked to submit my plans two weeks in advance. I've just said this, along with small group plans that I hate doing because I have to monitor students who are not in the small group at the time. Update data trackers, read content to improve my lessons. It's just a lot, especially since I don't have a I don't have a planning. Period. In the spring, I am planning to attend the transfer fair, but I am told that you have to be granted um to attend the fair from an administrator. I am looking forward to finding a school where I feel I can grow and have an amazing support staff. I can go on and on, but I'll leave it here. Thanks for reading a new teacher that hates her school, but not the job. That's so sad. But honestly, it sounds a lot like my first year. Oh, my God. This sounds exactly like my first year, too. First of all, can we just dissect some issues that are coming out here? What's the first thing that stood out to you? One of the first things that stood out to me um let's talk about student behavior, right? That's one of the first things, right? Um this whole idea of the culture of a school um being dependent on or mostly being de- dependent on school on student behaviors. So, you know, she said the students are allowed to do all these horrible things such as like disrespect staff and do this and do that. Um, that stood out to me. And I've seen that in, in schools that I've worked in and in schools that I've visited. Um, I've often found that when a, when a culture is too, too rigid, like there's too many rules and, and there's too many steps and too many systems and and they're ineffective at that. Like students know how to find those loopholes to do whatever the hell that they want to do because there's no accountability in the building. Yeah. I there's that's just a, that is a lot going on. I am so sorry she's going through that and feels that way. Um so when she was saying like kids do whatever they want, like it really took me back to my first year um and even to the point like where where teachers were quitting. Um, in Texas, like if you quit, your certification can be sanctioned and you can't teach for it. I know I previously said five years, I think, but I looked it up and like it, it's a year, um, where like you can't accept or be in a position that requires a Texas certification. Um, 
But I really think like a lot of people get to that point because like, you know, kids are doing whatever they want. Um, And like she said, she's not, there's no like plan in place for support for the teachers. And that's just, oh my, like, I don't, like, I'm really trying to wrap my mind around like going back to my first year because literally everything she said mirrors what I experienced my first year of teaching. How do you, how do you, how do you address that? So like when a culture is out, like when the school building is out of control with student behaviors and, and like that then trickles into your class, like how do you address that? Because she's in month five, right? And the transfer fair is not until April. And so I don't want to just say tough it out. I think. I mean, but like, you don't want to say tough it out, but. I mean, thankfully, she has an option of a transfer fair, right? I didn't have that option. Amen. Amen. I was thinking, I have bills to pay. Like, I, I can't leave. I Like, I'm here. You have to make the best of what I can do in my classroom. Um, because if I leave, I won't have any way to pay my bills. Right. So, I think my advice to the student behavior piece would be to shut it down. Because, and what I did... When I, because I had, I, w- I was in the exact same situation. It sounds like you're in like, a- like, oh, I can't say that. <laughs> don't say that. Just, just say charter situation. D- don't, don't, don't name schools yet. Okay. It sounds like you're in a particular charter management organization that uh, is problematic. Um, I'll bleep out that school. Uh, <laughs> um. So what I did when I was in that situation was I decided to shut everything down and I told the kids that we we're going to do something different. And the minute that I told some people that we were going to do something different, they responded to that because ultimately they were rebelling against the system. Right. Um, and I stopped teaching because there was no sense of teaching and people were not learning. And so I, I taught when the administrators came in. I wouldn't do that now. I would just do it. I'll do whatever I want to do now. But at the time, I I taught when the administrators came. But we just did a whole bunch of relationship building, and um and work that was truly built around their interests, with the purpose of strengthening the community, right? And then we um you know kind of woven the curriculum to that. But we had to stop, pause, rewind, and start over, so 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 that we can get ourselves together. And that doesn't really help in a middle school, per se, because you only have them for that one period, um, as opposed to having a whole class for an entire day. But your class can really be that safe haven for students to come and do the things and, like, be themselves and to do the things that they know how to do. I think it's also worth having, like, a conversation with them, asking how they feel about the school. Um, and what they want to have happen. It's something I do even in kindergarten now. Like when we're having like an extremely rough day or rough week, like we just come back to the carpet. Well, how do we feel about our classroom right now? Like how can we change what's happening here to feel better about it so that it's a place like where we feel safe and where we feel happy and where we can, you know, have fun learning? Um, Like middle school, like they have those thoughts and opinions. I mean, it's worth asking them and then using what you pull from them to kind of change what's happening in your classroom. So like Patrick said, it can become a safe haven for them. Um, She also brings up this piece about no nonsense nurturer and 
I was forced to pilot that program back in 2016. And it literally is a program that is designed by, uh, let me just confirm this because I don't want to get it wrong. I've never heard of No Nonsense Nurturing. Like when you read the email, I was thinking maybe this is like something that she calls it. Um, no, but- it's an actual, it's an actual program. Oh. Um, that was started, learn our story, I want to say by a white woman. Let me I just don't want to say that. of course, but. Started by educators, um, Kristen Bonero and Lee Cantor. Um, so they de- developed this model it's basically, there's a news article that says no nonsense nurturers when teachers stop saying please, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, they, when teachers stop saying please, it's a very specific framework that is centered around a very specific way of um, getting giving directions and giving consequences and um, affirmations, right? Well, not affirmations, but acknowledgments. No, that's not an affirmation at all. Let me walk you through what a no-nonsense nurturer classroom sounds like. When I say go, you are going to quietly put away your papers, and then you are going to track the speaker in slant. Okay, slant, T-lack. Go. Oh, Antonia's putting her pencils away. Patrick is putting that away. Oh, Johnny, check. Shakik, red, waiting on 100%. Waiting on 100%. Calling the dean for such and such for not putting your pencils up. John is John. John has his desk clear and ready to go. Right. So that's that's the format of a no-nonsense nurture classroom is that you are giving explicit directions with your voice, participation, and movement. So you tell kids exactly what you want them to do and know. So you you want them to be silent. You want them to do this direction, and you want them to do it a a certain way. Okay, that's that's, that's what a no-nonsense nurture it. There's no, you're not allowed to say please. You're not allowed to say thank you because you're not asking for a favor. You're given a direction. No. Okay, that's no-nonsense. I when you when you say you're not asking for please, I I had a flashback of one of my kids last year. Like I had asked him to do something, and I didn't say please. And she goes, you know, you could say please sometimes. And I was just like, oh, you're right. I should say that more. But that just sounds ridiculous. And it it it's starting to sound like maybe that's something that's combined with champs, or is it champ? I don't know. There's so many stupid little systems. Yeah, so many. And um, and she said she's also doing real-time coaching, which means that they're putting the microphone in her ear and they're reminding her to go back and restate the directions. They're reminding her to call out people who's doing the, the right thing. And they're reminding her in her ear to um, to give consequences. So let me give you an example of how this goes. Antonia, I want you to give me a MVP, no-nonsense nurture direction for... Um, Lining up. What? 
this, how would you tell your kids to line up? And then I'll tell you how the real-time coaching sounds. Uh, like how I do it right now? Okay, I just asked Blue Table. I say, Blue Table, let's line up. No, stop, stop, stop. No. No, stop, stop, oh. stop, stop. Restate the directions. What do you want them to do? Oh, hell. How do people deal with that? <laughs> do it oh again. Do it again. Do it again. The right way or the, the quote? The... No, do it your way. Yellow table, line up. No, no, uh, how? Sil- what What should their voice level be like? Oh, my God. Isn't that shit I'm crazy? I'm so sorry for people who have to go through that. It was the most traumatizing experience. And then they debrief. So they tell you what they're going to do before they go in. And then they debrief it after so that you can talk so, talk through. And so what they're doing in the back is they're counting the number of kids who are um, compliant with your with your behavior. So they'll say, oh, when you gave this direction for kids to line up, you had 75% of students who were on task with that you're you're looking for a hundred percent so you're constantly having to be bombarded by this um deficit uh model of, of teacher feedback there's no way in hell that you're ever gonna get a hundred percent of kids doing what you want right when you want like and if you not- really do expect uh. that then you need to check your Self, period. Oh my God, I dropped the f bomb. Um, oh my God, I cannot imagine having someone. Oh my God, like I think while you were telling me, no, 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 like doing your little ear whisper thing, I was, I was annoyed. She's literally in the back of your classroom with a walkie-talkie. Now it's like you have a better use of your time, girl. And classrooms are not that big. You know what I learned my first year when they like they kept coming in to to observe and like make all these comments about what was happening in my classroom. My mentor from like undergrad told me when those people come in your room and it's like a team of people and they're just looking at what you're doing because they're coming in because they think you're not doing something right. So she was like, you need to just immediately assign them to a kid to help. And if they say no, like it, like no one's going to say no because they know how stupid it sounds. And so like I did that and they were just like, oh, we're just here to observe. And I'm like, you can observe while you work with the kids, right? And then, like, seeing them, like, perplexed and confused about what I was asking them to do. Like, are we not here for kids? You're, surely you're not coming in to just watch what's happening. Like, you can watch and help a child, right? Right. And so <laughs> these people literally come in and they travel to uh, low-income schools all across the country, um, charter schools all across the country, and they and they have this talk. We we might need to do a specialty episode on it so that you can see it in action. Because I want you to see it in action. We might need to, because that just sounds like something I would walk out the school for. You're not about <laughs> to put it in my ear. I did walk out of the school. I was like, over no, it. I'll go teach in a private school. Y'all can have this little certification if you're gonna do that. Ooh. Not implying that private school teachers are not certified, but. I can guarantee that they do not have earpieces in their ear while they're trying to teach. No, I've never seen that in a private school. Um, so. and also, I've never seen any type of direction giving that polices students' body movement. This it's like I'm just trying to help you get from point A to point B. I tell I told my kids when when I worked at a private school, y'all go to lunch. You know what I'm saying? And then, like for those kids who have trouble going to lunch, then I'll help y'all get better. But it's like I. 
already expect, I have the high expectation that my students actually know how to walk down the hallway and go to lunch. I don't expect from that I have to teach that. If I do, then that's something extra. But I, no nonsense nurture. Okay, I'm going to stop here because I want us to do a separate episode on it. But no nonsense nurture comes with the expectations that you think less of children. The fact that you have to explicitly tell them all these things. That's all. That's a mess. Um. Okay, and then, so then she goes on to talk about how suspensions aren't the only option, um, but that they need to learn from their behaviors. Um, I, <laughs> when I heard that, like, suspensions are not okay. Like, you're, you're removing a child from the learning environment to do what? Right? And then, like, they're being suspended because of adult expectations and rules? I... No. So Texas has this thing where you cannot, you can no longer suspend children from pre-K all the way up to second grade. And I think they're working on expanding it all the way up to sixth grade. Um, And while certainly, you know, there are some behaviors that are some behaviors and actions that are difficult um, in the moment, like you need to teach and redirect and teach the child like an appropriate way to, I guess, express whatever they are trying to express in that moment, if that makes sense. But then, too, you put black children in danger when you suspend them from school. And so I just like it. I don't want to say because I don't want to assume anything. Right. But it sounds like suspensions are OK in this email. Um, and I immediately thought of Trayvon Martin, who had he not been suspended, he would likely be alive today. I think she is feeling like what else is there because there's no other options that it seems to be helping. I can almost 100% guarantee they don't have a school counselor. But you probably have a police in your school. I think people don't understand logical consequences, which I think also maybe needs to be a second episode, right? It's, it's, it's like the relationships are lacking. And so therefore it's like, if you do something wrong, you have to fix that no matter how, right. No matter how, what that is, it needs to be, it it, it needs to be fixed. If you curse your teacher out, then you need to figure out how to fix that, that relationship. I think like we struggle with students because we're trying to police everything. I know if I were to go back and like, place myself as a child if you're telling me like what voice level how to move where to move when to move I'm gonna act out because I have no control over my own body at this point and I'm in there for seven hours a day seven eight hours a day I'm fed up so I mean can you really blame children no um I think in well middle school yes I, I think they have to start being accountable of their actions because they're more aware of the decisions that they make. That's true. But um, schools also have to be consistent. They have to create policies, systems, and practices that um, that humanize students. And I think that if their staff is leaving in the middle of the year, if teachers are exhausted, if teachers are like feeling um, that there's no other option than to su- than to suspend these kids, then like we have to go back and evaluate the systems. But guess what? No, not more accountability is not the answer. More relationship building is the answer. Not not more policing. That's crazy. When 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 kids are out of control, we just automatically assume that 
policing them more, um, particularly black students, policing them more um, is the answer. But to me, that makes no goddamn sense. It is like, do we not watch the news? Are we not familiar with the history? Has that not been a part of the history for generations and, and generations? But now we, we, we want to carry that into 2018? No-nonsense nurture is a joke. Real-time coaching is a joke. And we cannot continue that. So, girl, thank you for writing this, this question. In. My thoughts and prayers are with you, honestly. Um, I, If you know that you're going to transfer and you're going to leave, start breaking the rules now. Start breaking the rules. And, um, you know, obviously, I, I always say that. But, you know, if you can't afford to lose your job, then don't. But, you know, find <laughs> find those find those loopholes because something got to give. And if you know what's up, if you that reflective in your email, then I know that you can do what you got to do to get it done, done, done. You got this. Uh, you got this. Let us know what happens. Send us an update, please. I know we got a quote this week. What's our quote? It's from Maya Angelou this week. Um, And I feel like it's a little cliche, but I feel like it's perfect especially given your situation and the change you're about to about to make. Um, so she says, whatever you want to do, if you want to be great at it, you have to love it and be able to make sacrifices for it. And I think you loving being an educator um, and being so willing to go across the world is you, you know, making a sacrifice to continue doing the job that you love and a sacrifice for a new experience that you'll be able to one day use and come back and, um, filter that experience to help you make I guess content more more real for children like the experience of living overseas and coming back and teaching wherever you're going to teach is a t- an experience that your students your future students will also benefit from so I felt like that was a really really appropriate quote for this week thank you and I'll leave that right there um announcements um be on the lookout next year i'm gonna claim it now we have um one possibly two live shows coming up next year so be ready for that um please check out my blog i have a blog now i'm writing now um I'm doing a Thank You DC series, uh, just putting all my reflections on on there. Not all of them are teacher-related, though, so be prepared for that. Um, and then <laughs> and then my first blog with the big publishing house is um, coming out soon, so you'll see that. So I'm really excited about that. Um, don't sleep on Patrick. Don't sleep on it, right? Also, I'll be in L.A., you're just everywhere, child. Everywhere. I'll be in Los Angeles on January 23rd, 24th, and 25th, visiting some schools out there. Um, no, I'm not playing for the plane ticket from Doha, Qatar to LA. So shout out to the organization that is. So I am <laughs> very excited about that. So if you're in LA, let's t- uh, turn up in the name of education. Um, and yeah. If you're a teacher that's out in the Middle East, hit me up. Okay? I'd appreciate that. Um, 
<laughs> and with that being said, I think we are all out of time here. It's a longer episode. So, people who are, yeah, they've been asking for it. So, uh, with that being said, thank you so much. And I will holla at y'all later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time.